The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. And a quick note, this is the fourth birthday of the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, so if you've been hanging out, listening to the show from day one, you're awesome. You're probably related to us or a friend that we owe something, but (laughs) thanks for tuning in. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mitchell. Feels good. On this episode, we are going to talk about the new starting lineup, the Twin Towers of Baton. DeAndre Ayton and Aaron Baines are the four and five for the team right now. We're going to talk a little bit about that, what we like, what we don't like. After that, we'll get into our usual game recaps and game previews for next week. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five star review and a comment, and you will get a shout out on the show. And as usual, to follow up on our bet question from last week, shout out to Sundrous Dunks on Twitter, who hit the nail right on the head. Four points for Dario Sharich in the game against the Lakers is what we were predicting. So good job at Sundrous Dunks. Very engaged follower, so really appreciate that. And that means I am currently up one to nothing because my prediction was 12, and Charlie, you predicted 15. So Dario Sharich uh, having four points means I win that one. So I'm done being optimistic. Yeah, get ready to lose. <laughs> I've lost two months in a row, so yeah, I gotta, I gotta keep this up. Yep, waiting for you to pay up on that second month, but we'll, uh, we just I'm looking forward about to it. it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not giving you any crap. I'm, <laughs> I'm just excited for uh, another nice free dinner. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's hop into it and talk about the new starting lineup with DeAndre Ayton kind of playing power forward and Aaron Baines kind of playing center. So we've seen only two games of this so far, so... These opinions that we're going to be giving, you know, maybe they're not the most educated because we haven't seen this thing get a chance to breathe yet. But from the two games, let's talk a little bit about what we saw. And how about you start us off with what you like about it? Well, first off, it's it's kind of tough to evaluate because we haven't seen a lot of minutes in general with this lineup. Uh, When they've been out there, it's been pretty sparse. We're starting the game like this, but... You know, it, it's it's still fairly rare. Uh, I do like the size. I like the potential. I like... Uh, the. I guess the rebounding has been decent. Um, in the first game that we tried this against the Knicks, Baines was hitting some threes, and I did like that. It opened up quite a bit throughout the game 
for Aiton down low for other shooters because Baines was hitting threes. Uh, that's probably it at this point. Right. I'm looking at the rebound numbers for this one um, against the Knicks. The two Aiton and Baines combined for 15 rebounds in this one. And as a team, we got out rebounded by the Knicks. Then in this Grizzlies game, we did out rebound them by four overall. Aiton and Baines combined for 21. And we also had Kelly get 10 in this game, too, to boost up those numbers. But I'd like to see a little more rebounding. I don't think Baines is a great rebounding center. He's a, He does more of a good job of clearing out the lane for others to grab rebounds. So maybe that is something that we can look forward to with this lineup. We really should be cleaning the glass. We should be. But, it, you know, it's still early on. And I don't really like to make this comparison because these players are way different. But we have kind of seen this in the past with Tyson Chandler and Alex Len. And it really didn't work. I know Aiton is way different than those guys, and Baines is way different. I mean, they can both shoot. So I don't. I think I'm just kind of – I have a natural aversion based on past experience to these kind of lineups. But, I mean, it was fun in that Knicks game. Yeah, now that you say that, I pretty much erased Alex Len and Tyson Chandler lineups from my brain. It must have hurt that bad. Yeah. I didn't even think about us doing that in previous years. But – yeah, I'd say this is a little more ideal of a duo. But here's one thing that I take away from it that I do like. It, we have seen Devin Booker getting out to hot starts with this lineup. And I think we can attribute some of that to the, this is pretty basic, but the screen setting that is happening. Yeah. Running off Aiton and Bain's screens is pretty nice. Dario and Frank aren't the most willing screeners. And Frank isn't strong enough to be set in some of the screens against Booker's defenders even, but these two guys have been clearing some space for book and he's been getting off to hot starts with this lineup. So that's got to be a pro. Yeah, that's nice. Definitely. Uh, I also, I mean, I like what you're saying about the screen setting. I, I think Aiton has said quite a bit about wanting to play the four and he played the four in college and wanting to be in that position. So he's getting that opportunity now. I think that is kind of a pro to keep him happy. The only thing is he has to make the most of it. He needs to be scoring. He needs to be getting a lot of rebounds and this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but I think Aiton had a lot of good opportunities to be in positions he wouldn't normally be in that he really didn't take advantage of. So if this is what he wants, he needs to jump on the opportunity. And then on the other hand, Baines, Baines just does whatever, whatever is told of him, asked of him. He will play center. He'll shoot threes. He'll bang down low. Whatever we need, Baines does. And that's what I love about him. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so the one thing Aiton is really happy about this move, we can tell that. And yeah, it does allow him to match up on a power forward who's a little more fleet of foot that Dario couldn't stay in front of. Aiton does a good job doing that. And I, I appreciate that. And with Baines's ability to shoot the three, it still lets Aiton be able to hang in the post. And that's something that I might have a gripe about. We haven't seen a ton of DeAndre really in the post he seems to be settling for a lot of elbow jumpers and all. But I'd like to see him just be able to work it into the paint a little more 
while Baines is stretching the floor. Right. I agree with that. And on an even simpler note, I want to see Aiton turn towards the basket rather than away. Aiton is seven feet tall. He has the opportunity, if he misses a, a little baby hook or something, to go up and grab an offensive rebound or get a put-back dunk. But instead, he's turning the other way and taking these baseline fadeaway jumpers that if he misses, that's it. You know, get back on D. It's pretty frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating because he says that he's happy that he's able to continue to play in the post, and yet we haven't seen any strong moves in the post. I guess that's yeah. where I land on that one. I just I mean, want to see it. I want to see right. it. I think back to that game right around Christmas last year against the Nuggets where he had that 20-point quarter or whatever it was. Right. All of those points were coming on strong post moves going toward the basket. Yeah, and getting offensive rebounds off our, uh, at the time, terrible team's misses. He was really just cleaning up, and he was a dominant force in that game. We want to see more of that. It seems like he's settling for everything. He's not really bullying himself into the paint. We need to see that. I want to see DeAndre Ayton pick up a charge. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, and I feel like we're already sort of moving towards the cons of this uh, (laughs) duo that we've seen so far. And I'll, I'll start it off with one that I see. When you have two guys of that size out on the floor, I'd really expect us to control the paint defensively a little bit better. And that doesn't seem to be happening quite yet. And I know Aiton is improving as a defender, as an interior defender, guys shooting within six feet of the rim to him. They're shooting at a very poor rate. He has one of the best defensive ratings in the league when it comes to that stat. So I understand he is coming along. But when Aiton and Baines are both in there, you'd expect the lane to be completely shut down. And it, it's not. When we played the Grizzlies uh, tonight as of recording, those guys shut down the lane with Valanchunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. Those guys really did shut down the paint. We're, qu- we're not quite doing that with Aiton and Baines. Don't forget about Brandon Clark. Go Zags. Go Zags. Uh, but yes, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I would have liked to see that. Ja Morant was getting to the rim at will. I mean, pretty much everyone was. Jonas Valanciunas just toyed with us, basically. Monty Williams called a timeout 90 seconds into the game because Ja Morant got to the rim with no help, no contention at all. He just got right to the rim. Baines just stood there. The, The other thing is on the other side of the ball on offense when Baines isn't hitting threes, this lineup is entirely ineffective because oh, guys don't have to guard him at all. That's 100% true, and I don't want to watch Aaron Baines shoot a three from anywhere other than the top of the key. Right. It can be – I don't even want it out on the wing. I want it top of the key because he's been pulling from the corner here in the, these last two games, and it, he may have made one in the Knicks one. I'm not positive. But otherwise, some of them haven't even been close. And that's when I miss Dario Saric. What happened to him? Why is he... He got tossed out of the lineup pretty much. If Aiton wouldn't have been in foul trouble in this game, Dario wouldn't have played. Or Diallo, for that matter. So, this is... It's interesting. And the rotation changes that have to happen because of this rotation, 
I don't know if that's going to work out for us immediately. Right. Yeah. It's an odd experiment. And I guess, you know, I guess our front office is just giving Monty Williams the reins to experiment as much as he can this season. That's what it seems like at least. You know, I'm, I'm for that because I finally feel like Monty Williams is the right guy for the job. I feel like Monty has a grasp of the game more like a Hornacek or even an Igor, but then he can connect with the locker room a la Earl Watson, but maybe not quite as nutty as Earl Watson was while he was here. Right. So I like, I like Monty. And I know this is a rough patch right now. I think after the Grizzlies game, he must have stormed off from the media. He gave a little statement and didn't take any questions. It sounded like he was pretty upset. I didn't get the chance to see it because I was driving home from the game. But it sounds like he was not happy with this. And with this new rotation, I you can't expect it to work great. Right. Right. I mean, the the lineup I really want to see, and I know a lot of Suns fans want to see this because I see it on Twitter constantly, is Rubio, Booker, Oubre, Bridges, Aiton, and or Baines. Whatever center you want to put in there. I mean, I want to see Aiton, but yeah. you can you can throw Baines in there. I mean, that's that's the lineup that I think is really going to work well. And I mean, I don't know why we're exiling Dario Saric this much I, I know he's really having a rough patch i know it's been tough for him but we know he's a very streaky guy you got to take these kind of games with with his 20 point games where he hits three or four threes the only thing i can think is we're trying to trade him and at this point in this rough patch having him sit out probably raises his trade value yeah, that might be true. And this is so interesting that it comes at a time where we just lost Frank Kaminsky. One report said indefinitely. Another said we're going to check him back out after three or four weeks. This is a patella injury. So it's weird that we've taken Sarge out of the lineup nearly completely. And yeah, maybe we're speaking a little quickly here. We'll have to see how next week goes. But it's just interesting that we lose Frank and we're also taking Dario out of the picture. Right. And keep in mind, these are guys that Monty Williams wanted. He brought them in. He he was raving about Dario before the season started, about how he wanted him more involved in Philadelphia and all of these things. Right. So, it yeah, it is a little confusing. And I don't think his play has been poor enough to completely rip him from the lineup. If we're playing Tyler Johnson right now, yeah, Dario seems poor like play. He, Jeez. Yeah, he had a rough one in this Grizzlies game, but we're we're not to that yet. But anyways, it's too early to say what this Aiton and Baines lineup is going to be. Uh, it's too early to even. Yeah, there's not much we can even say about it. Of course, a lot of us, me included, would like to see Mikhail take Aiton's place and just give it a shot. We've seen that lineup have some nice runs in these last few games, so. Yes, too early to say anything about the lineup. I'm glad that Monty's getting the chance to experiment with it, but it will obviously take time to see if this is something that can contribute to winning basketball. To a team who, if we would have won against the Memphis Grizzlies, we'd be the 8th seed right now. But we didn't, and I think we're the 12th. So that's quite a dip. 
yeah, I mean, you just have to keep in mind that all of these teams like us, Memphis, Portland, even the Warriors are still in it. You know, all of these kind of lower end Western Conference teams are all fighting for that eight seed. It's going to be very close unless someone pulls away. You know, the Spurs are another team in there. And we have the opportunity to make the playoffs. So Right. It's it's not too late. It really hurts when we lose games like this to the Grizzlies, though, because that was a, you know, that could have been feeling pretty nice with that eight seed. But it's okay. Yeah. There's still plenty of time, and the the our lineup still needs to groove together. They've only played a bit with Aiton back now, so there's still time. But let's it get been in. Nice to have the 25 games that he missed. <laughs> Yeah, I was there, just there were there. 25 of those, weren't there? Right. I was sitting there just wondering what would this team look like if Aiton would have played those games. Yeah. Oh. Let's not. Let's not. Yeah, let's, not let's not dwell <laughs> on what ifs. Okay. So let's get into the game recaps from last week. The Suns went two and two in their four games. Not too shabby, but for the rest of this homestand, we're going to need to see some more wins to stay in this eight seed hunt. So we'll start with the Suns at the Blazers. Come away with the win, 122-116. to 116. Yeah, this was an awesome win. This was the first time in a very long time, I think eight seasons or something, that we had beat the Blazers at home. So that's really cool. Uh, we were down 19 at one point. We erased a 19-point deficit and won the game. I mean, terrible first quarter. We got off to a terrible, terrible start. We gave up 38 points and only scored 19, and then we came back with a 39-point fourth quarter. Played with a lot of heart, a lot of hustle, and it was fun. It was a really fun game. Yeah, getting pretty used to seeing the Suns come out really poorly and then fighting their way back into the game, and luckily this was one where we, we did fight back through the whole last three quarters and did win. And this is kind of the start of... When Kelly and Book and Rubio, this is shortly after the players meeting, uh, Monty pulled those three apart and said, you guys have to lead by example. We need to see you play well. And these guys really started playing nice right around this time. Kelly had 29 points, 7 for 10 from 3. 7 for 10. That's big time for Ubre, and we needed all of those. He was a huge part of this win, and he was blowing kisses to the Blazers fan. Yeah, that's his new thing, the blowing kisses and the head bob, which I know you can't see it, but I just did it, <laughs> which that's pretty fun. That was probably my favorite technical of the season. When I don't think it was in this game, but yeah, when he got called for that, that was pretty fun. But yeah, Kelly had 29, Booker had 33, six rebounds, seven assists. He's on this awesome streak of... He's, it's as of recording six games in a row with 30 or more points. Sun's a, record. Yeah, Sun's record. So he's vote for him in the All Star game too. Uh, here, wait. Don't let, let do Alex Caruso have oh more votes than Devin Booker when they put out the next when they release the next vote totals. If here. Caruso is still ahead of Booker, I'm gonna lose it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let me do this really quick though for anyone. Hey Google. Vote for Devin Booker in the All-Star game. So, now, yeah, now you can do that. Usually if you say, hey, Google, it'll pull it up. So I just Ooh, nice. did it for you. So, hey, Google, vote for Devin Booker in the NBA All-Star game. 
that's, that's all you got to do. That's, that's all. Smart. They make it very easy. It's so easy this year. You can literally Google Devin Booker All-Star Game, and it's right there. You just click vote. Boom. You're done. Bam. I've been doing that every day as many times as I think of it per day. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, but yeah, Booker had a great game. Rubio, 18 points, 13 assists, five rebounds, plus 21 in this game. Yeah, that was nice. Yep. And, then, and we've seen McHale really coming on in this one, too. Uh, he had 13 points, plus 18, three assists, three rebounds, a steal, a block, just just doing it all. We've really seen his defense there like we expect, and he's scoring, and he's even rebounding a little more lately. So it's all so encouraging with McHale right now. Yeah, for sure. And then Aiton was not expected to play in this game, but he did. He played 20 minutes, came off the bench, 6 points, 12 rebounds. It, it was looking bleak, but his defense in the fourth quarter is what won us this game, essentially. Yep, that's that's very true. Just the seven-foot athletic man being in the paint, contesting shots, it, it was such a big difference. We had been missing it so much this season, and when we see things like that, it it gets me so excited. But we, we got to temper that because, again, this Memphis game, we saw some things that we didn't like. So Right. But all in all, it's just very nice to have Aiton back. Four offensive rebounds. I think he had a tip in that was pretty big time in this game for 12 overall rebounds. Just that's fantastic, and we, we've missed it. Mm-hmm. And as for the Blazers in this one, of course, Damian Lillard and McCollum have big games. Lillard had 33. McCollum had 25. Carmelo Anthony is really, I think they can almost blame him for this loss. Oh, he was, yeah. He was four for 16 from the floor, ended with 10 points. But the, the amount of times he got caught sleeping on defense, I think you'd have to have, yeah, you'd have to use two hands to count them all up. <laughs> yeah, Carmelo had a rough game. He he bricked some he bricked some pretty important shots down the stretch and it was pretty nice to watch because we've been in that position so many times so it was nice to see someone else do it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so interesting to me watching Carmelo Anthony play almost 37 minutes in a game for a team that's fighting for the playoffs. At, at his age and his effort level that He's been putting out, and yeah, he'll he'll have a great Carmelo Anthony scoring game every once in a while. I think he just had one the other night. But watching that makes you think: What are the Blazers doing? How are they going to make it to the playoffs with this type of roster? Yeah, I mean their injury luck has just been awful too. So that's true. I mean that's just where they're at. They're at the point where Carmelo was their best option because so many of their guys had gotten hurt. I hope Zach Collins goes Zags is feeling better. Go Zags. <laughs> Number one team in the country. So that's what I hear. get that in there. That's my, what I hear. One of my alma maters. Okay, let's move it on to the <laughs> Lakers game. And the, like I said in the Blazers game, this was another one where we came out just to an awful start. It looked like we were in too deep of a hole to even dig out of. But this team really fought hard in the second half, and they at least made it interesting. Final score was 117 to 107, and that's after a 43 to 17 first quarter. 
I mean, this game was not as close as it was. I saw I saw quite a few different takes on Twitter. Some people were saying, oh, I'm so glad this team came back and fought hard. And, you know, a, a couple years ago, we probably would have lost by 50. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. I also saw takes that I lean towards that are, we we could have won this game if we wouldn't have played so horribly in the beginning. Like, don't praise us for coming back. We shouldn't have to come back from a 36-point deficit. We should never be down by 36 at any point in the season. That is ridiculous. I lean more toward that side of wake up, get off the bus, get off the plane. I mean, yeah, they spent New Year's Eve in L.A., that, that be can't an be an excuse. It can't be, but you know that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's New probably Year's what Eve happened. in LA when they come out flat on New Year's Day. I came out flat on New Year's Day too. <laughs> well, just <laughs> I'm kidding. People who know me know that that's not true. But <laughs> <laughs> I was tired. I didn't even do anything for New Year's Eve, and I came out flat on New Year's Day. So, I mean, no, I, that's, I had that's a, in the living room in Phoenix. So I had a. I had a very good New Year's Day, and I didn't come out flat, but I, I was tired. I did go to bed a little bit earlier that night. I but feel. whatever, whatever. It's, you know, that that's what happened, and it's not an excuse. I mean, Booker did continue his streak, so 32 points, 7 assists, 2 rebounds. Kelly played well again, too, with 26 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and then Aiton, also came off the bench in this one. 31 minutes, though. He's starting to slowly rack up these minutes. This is the game we kind of thought he would come back for in the first place. Uh, but I'm glad he got those minutes in Portland. Uh, 16 points and 14 rebounds on 7 for 13 shooting. Actually played a pretty good game, you know, and he's going up against Anthony Davis. So I was happy with Aiton in this one. Yep, he was a big part of that comeback that we did nearly pull off i don't want to say pull off but we made it interesting in that fourth quarter and um you know me being a salty suns fan i was just happy that they had to bring lebron and anthony off back off the bench to come finish the game because we made it that close after getting blown out in the first half like that that was a a bit of a moral victory for me just seeing those guys have to take off the ice packs and all that good stuff but yeah 31 for lebron and a triple-double, 26 and 11 boards for Anthony Davis. I didn't go into this game expecting to win by any means, but we let Avery Bradley go 9 for 11 from the floor, score 18 points. Kyle Kuzma had 19. He had been struggling and then really came out hot against us, which you know seems to be the norm. But yeah, I wasn't expecting to beat the Lakers, didn't really enjoy that first quarter, but otherwise there, other than the first quarter, not much to complain about in this game. Yeah. I mean, I just can't stand losing to the Lakers and Kyle Kuzma, man, I really don't like that guy. <laughs> you don't like his, uh, new bleach blonde hair. I don't like his Cisco look. No. Yeah. I liked it when George Hill did it a few years ago. I thought that was legit. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it's it's 2020 now. You can't be That's doing right. Cisco hair. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Though I did hear that Kuzma is potentially on the trade block 
and I would not mind adding him to our team. <laughs> Why not? I, I mean, I this is what I've been saying. I think this team needs to make a big trade. We need to trade some expirings. We need to trade something. We need to make a move for, you know, I, I know this is going to upset some people, but maybe Blake Griffin, maybe Kevin Love, maybe Kyle Kuzma. One of these guys. I think if we just shook things up, it could be beneficial for us. Kevin Love is obviously upset in Cleveland. Did you happen to see the yeah, clip of him? Yelled, he yelled at the GM, yeah. And then and then There's I no liked when he uh, uh, Sexton was just dribble-godding up at the top of the key, and Love runs up, demands the ball, and then just whips a pass yeah. to the wing. I, oh, I, I could just feel the anger running through him, and but I really enjoyed to see that. But this is a brand of basketball, if we're running it the way we properly should. That would really benefit a Kevin Love. I think a guy like him would really gel with this team. I think Monty would be a great coach for a guy like Kevin Love at this point. I I don't want to pay him, but I'd love to have him for this year. Yeah, I mean, it's that contract. That's the biggest thing. Uh, I know it. But yeah, I agree. I mean, Kevin Love would just be an upgrade over Sharich or Kaminsky. And yeah, I still kind of want to do that. <laughs> right on. Okay. I don't want to talk about this Lakers game much anymore. Let's move on to let's move on to another win in this game against the Knicks. Uh Suns take it home. 120 to 112. And this is where we first saw the Baines and Aiton starting lineup. And in this game, our starting five Played some excellent ball. Ricky Rubio, the only one not in double digits with nine points, but 10 assists and four rebounds. Oubre goes for 29. Been playing fantastic ball this week. Aiton goes for 15 and 13. Baines for 20 and 12. And then Booker with 38, seven assists and three rebounds. So the starting lineup really brought it against this Knicks team. Yeah, and that's why we won. Our bench didn't do anything. Right. And I mean, these guys were getting a lot of minutes. Ubre played 39, Booker played 38, Aiton played 37. We needed it. I mean, this was also the Knicks, though. Their best player is literally Marcus Morris. Your your things are not going to go well for you when your best player is Marcus Morris. So he had 25 points. A little bit of a revenge game for him. I mean, Bobby Portis had 20 points, which is kind of upsetting, but. You're you're not gonna do well in many games when you're relying on Bobby Portis, right? Yeah, it's kind of tough to see a guy like Bobby score twenty points on you. But then again, we did handle Julius Randle pretty well. Thirteen points and thirteen rebounds. He's been putting up really nice numbers. You know, being the best guy on a pretty crummy team. I think we know something about that from the past and what people say about our dude. Oh, so. Yeah. I have some sympathy for Randall there, but he has been playing good ball. But I think Aiton and Baines and whoever was covering him throughout the game did a pretty solid job on him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this was the first game where we saw Aiton start. I mean, I know it's alongside Baines, but it's nice that we were able to ease Aiton back into that lineup and get a win out of it. So, yeah, I mean, this this is my thing, and I'll probably say this again later, but I want to challenge Aiton. 
Aiton's putting up double-doubles like nothing. And Monty said this at the beginning of the year. Aiton can get a double-double in his sleep, essentially. 15 and 13? Yeah, great. That's good. I want Aiton to be getting 20 and 20 games. Let's see it. Show me 20 and 20. Right. He'd flirt with those 20-20 games every once in a while last year. And that's as a rookie, fresh into the NBA. And obviously the 25 games that we didn't get to see him play – that hurts. Uh, that hurts him being more comfortable and maybe having the chance to enforce his will a little more to dominate. I'd love to see that, but it hurts so much when you miss a quarter to a third of the season like that. Like, that kills yeah, it. It does. Yeah, but 20 and 20, I think, is what he should be aiming for every night. I mean, obviously, he probably is. But even if he can't get there, I want to see 20 and 15, 20 and 14, 20 and 13, 25 every here, every so often, you know? It's these games where he's scoring 12, 13, 15 points, whatever it may be, it, they're, they're just not going to cut it. We need more from Aiton. Yep, I hear you. And again, another game where the Suns play a little defense in the first quarter and come out looking poorly. It was 37 to 29 after the first quarter in this one. And then luckily in the second half, we outscored them. Uh, they put up 51. We put up 69. So nice. that, that was a nice, that was a big second half. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we won. And you know, it's thankfully we were playing the Knicks. Yep. That's, that's true. And we were talking about this while we were sitting at the game against the Grizzlies, that Knicks game, it felt so good to win it. Uh, we were 2-1 and one on the week at that point after we won it, and it felt like things were coming together. And the fact that we fought through what we did against the Knicks to get the W, it felt so good. And then reminding yourself that it was the Knicks just brings it down so far. It feels right. like this team, we're on the verge of a playoff hunt. We, we really are. And we're 14 and 22. We, we can make the playoffs at this point still. But it, you got to be better. You got to be able to handle the New York Knicks. You got to be able to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. And we just, we haven't done it yet. Something needs a flip, a switch needs to be flipped. It does. Yeah. And we still have the chance for it to happen. We have quite a few games left against subpar or similar status teams. So. We can do it. Right. This next week, we have the Kings, Magic, and Hornets. That should be three wins. It, it has to be three wins if you want to be a playoff team. That's right. That's right. Okay. The game that's the freshest in our minds, we just got back from it a little bit ago, Memphis Grizzlies at the Phoenix Suns, and this was a tough loss, 121-114. to 114. A lot of things didn't go our way in this one, and it tallied up, and we just couldn't dig ourselves out of this hole in the fourth quarter. Right. This was an odd game because we came out a little bit better. We we were up by four at the end of the first quarter, and then in the second and third quarters, we just rolled over. I just want to see us play a complete game. It's like we either get down by so much at the beginning and then claw our way back, or we're up early in the game, and then we give up because we're just satisfied. When we are up by 5, 10, 15 points, I wish we would play like we were down 5. Right, or at least be a team that knows they're up 15 and know how to keep their foot down enough to keep to hold a lead. If we get up 10, 
there's no confidence in that lead. We've seen it dwindle away or get ripped away quickly. It, it happens every time. This team needs to figure out how to play with a lead. That's very true. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, Devin Booker had a great game. He had 40 points, 6 assists, and 2 rebounds on 13 for 20 shooting, 13 for 14 of his free throws. So it's that was a bright spot. I mean, he could have had 50, though. He really could have had 50 tonight, but there was a spurt in the, I think it was the third quarter, where Booker didn't touch the ball at all, and he was just camping out in the corner. Right. He had 14 points in the first quarter, I believe. It was 14 or 15. I'm not I'm not positive off the top of my mm-hmm. head. But he had a great first quarter. He gets pulled out at the end of it, as he always does, to get a rest for at the end of the first, then between the first and the second. Then he sits a few minutes at the beginning of the second, then gets put back in. So once he came back in in the second, he didn't attempt a shot until there was less than a minute left in the second quarter. And he was out there for eight, nine minutes without looking at a stat log of any sort. He was out there for plenty of time and only ended up getting those two buckets at the very end of the second. If Devin Booker is going to sit in the corner on offense and not even touch the ball, just leave him off the court. He's not a plus defender. And I know you can't just whip out your star player like that. But if he's not going to touch the ball, why have him out there? Yeah, I'm with you. It was it was pretty frustrating. And another thing that was pretty frustrating in this was Aaron Baines. He had nine points and nine rebounds on three for ten shooting and one for five from three. And he was minus 16. If you compare that to Aiton, who was plus 10, Oubre was plus 13, Booker was plus five. I don't know. This lineup seems to tell us that Baines is not going to, the Baton lineup is not going to serve us so well in the future. Right. And in this occurrence, this game, outside of Jonas Valanciunas, I don't think they have a guy on their team that I'd want Baines to attempt to guard. I don't think he can stay in front of a Jackson Jr. or, you know, Brandon Clark plays power forward. Aiden right. can't guard that. There's just not good matchups for him in this one. Him and Valanchunas did play a similar amount of minutes. But, man, Jonas scored 30 points in those minutes while Baines scored nine. Right. Yeah, Valanchunas, he's good. Like, I forgot how good he is. He's a I mean, bull down there. He's yeah. He has to be pound for pound, like inch for inch, pound for pound, one of the biggest guys in the league. Yeah. And strong, too. He's so strong. And he was three for four from three, you know, unlike Baines, who's one for five. Right. And this goes back to Aaron Baines shooting threes that aren't coming from the top of the key. I, I don't want to see much of that anymore. Right. Yep. So, I mean, another thing here is the bench, too. Our bench, aside from Mikhail Bridges, was horrendous. Cam Johnson had a terrible game. Two points on one for four shooting, never really got open, turned the ball over twice, and was minus 22. Yeah, minus 22 in 12 and a half minutes is pretty rough. And when Cam's not scoring, uh, I, I've been talking up his defense and his smarts quite a bit lately. But he, at this point, as a rookie, he needs to be getting buckets to be left out on the court, I think. Especially when we have Ubre and Mikhail, who can guard the same type of guy. Right. Definitely. 
yeah, he needs to he needs to try to get a little bit more involved, I think. But I mean, uh, speaking of getting more involved, DeAndre Ayton, 14 points, 12 rebounds. He could have had way more. Ayton could have had 20 and 20 tonight. He took some weird fadeaway baseline shots that could have easily just been little nice little hook shots that go right in. He he didn't give a ton of effort when he was rebounding. I know he had 12 boards, but there's a lot of times where he's just standing watching the ball and he has opportunities to grab the ball. If he just puts his hands up, I mean, it's, it's frustrating. Right. And I'm, I'm thinking about this in the Knicks game. We were able to see Aiton get some decent post position and work from down low and be successful with it. In this one, while he was matched up with guys like Valanchunas and Jaron Jackson, he could not get anything going. It's like he didn't even want to try. And right. when you, if you call yourself a dominant big who who plays in the post, you have to assert your will. You have to get to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. How many did Aiden shoot tonight? Zero. Zero he did, free throws. He did not get to the free throw line yet again against the jumping jack like Jaron Jackson Jr. All he wants to do is block shots. You're telling me you can't, with your back to the basket, make a strong move, put up a pump fake and get him in the air, and then just draw some contact. You can't do that. We need to see that out of our center, who's supposed to be a great post scorer. Right, definitely. I mean, he's he just seems to be pl- attempting to play with so much finesse when we need that power. And I even said to you at one point during this game, I bet Aiton won't box out one bit on this free throw. And now Devin Booker was shooting. And I'm like, I trust Devin Booker to shoot free throws, no question, to make his free throws. But try. He just stood there and got boxed out by two guys. It's like if that if he misses that shot, there's no chance you're going to get a rebound. Right. And we've heard that players do take those off. It's sort of an agreement between players. Uh, it'll be like, hey, I'm going for this one. They'll say something like that. And I probably wouldn't be going for a ton of them while Booker's shooting. But, you know, it's... It's a guy, It's we need a guy who says, you know what, screw it. I am going to bust into the lane and try to get an offensive right. rebound. And just to, I mean, to see him stand. I know that there's these, like, these kind of things going on and, you know, they need their rest and all of that. But try. Don't don't just stand. There's, so, there's too much standing on this team. You know, it's all about that .5. When you get the ball, you have half a second to... Pump fake, pass, dribble, shoot, whatever it may be. I feel like there's way too much standing lately. Yeah, and especially coming from the guy who was just on a 25-game vacation. That's right. All right, let's move it on. Talk about next week's game. Like I said earlier, these are three games that are winnable. They're all at home, and we need to win these games. So let's start off talking about the first one against the Kings. And I know last time we matched up, they were without uh, De'Aaron Fox. And I know he's still having a bit of a nagging injury, so I'm not positive he'll, he'll be back for this one. Yeah, he's been playing a little bit. I know he, he had a good game the other day, but it is one of those things where it's been pretty inconsistent. So I'm hoping he doesn't play because <laughs> I think he's I think he's a very good player. Uh, I mean, the key to this, though, is Bogdanovich. He... The game we lost to them, he killed us. The game that we won, he still killed us, and we almost lost because of it. I 
I don't know if we just need to trap him from the start or what, but Bogdanovich is a difference maker on that team. Yeah, it it just kills me that it seems like if anyone has ever been spited by the Phoenix Suns in any way, they let them know on their own home court and they just right. they just dominate us. It's like even Aaron Brooks or not see Aaron Brooks. Who's the Dylan Brooks? Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. It feels like after that trade mishap, he's like, okay, I hate the Suns now. I'm going to dominate them every time we play. And we've seen Bogdanovich doing that to us too. So, yeah, if if we can slow him down a little bit, that'd be nice. I see so much hype about Rashawn Holmes lately, and it's so funny to me because, yes, the guy will have some amazing dunks. He plays hard. He plays decent defense at the rim. But if you bring him out a little bit and make him play pick-and-roll defense, he gets lost. He's not a smart basketball player. He's not. You don't need to get so hyped up about him. Uh, yeah, maybe he'll have a 20 and 10 game, but uh, next game it'll be six and five, and then no one will talk about him. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Rashawn Holmes, I'm sure, is a nice guy, and we know his mom is very active on Twitter. She's lovely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I'm just not a fan of him. I, I wasn't mad when we lost him. He can't shoot at all. He. I, I think he's a good like energy bench big, not a starting team minutes right, but he starts for them. It's wild. Next time you watch him play, watch him shoot a free throw. Oh, he, it's awful! He balances the ball like straight in front of his face, and then he brings his left hand somehow completely flat up against the ball to balance it in, of some sort. It looks so weird, but I got to say, I think he made them all when I watched him last. Yeah, he shoots free throws like someone who's just learning how to shoot a basketball. Like this? this, What if it rolls out of my hand? Where do I put my left hand? Oh, okay. Right, and I I mean, I've taught a few people. I used to coach basketball, and I've taught a few people how to shoot the ball early on, and I always say, don't let it roll up on your palm. You want it on your fingertips. And then they they overcorrect, and they're barely touching it with their fingers. Like Shaq. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) That's what Rashawn Holmes looks like. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Listen to us talking smack about the professional basketball player. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come see me shoot around, and then listen to this. (laughs) Raindrops. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's move it on to the Magic game. This was when we played the Magic last. I remember being very disappointed in our effort and those guys just being so fierce and long on defense. They were really they were a tough matchup at the time. How about this one? We get them at home. We need a win. Do you think we can do it? Yes. I think we have to. I think. They just have so many guys that are question marks, like Markel Fultz. Aaron Gordon has been not great this year. Mo Bamba is, I, I don't know if he's even a question mark. He's just not good. He's young. And they just lost Jonathan just Isaac lost, to a pretty nasty knee injury. It says eight, tough. ten weeks, eight to ten yeah. weeks for him. He was playing really well, too. And I like Jonathan Isaac. He seems like a really good guy. And yeah, I mean, it's that's really sad. Hopefully, you know, speedy recovery to him. But, I mean, it, it kind of helps that we're catching them without him. So, right. And, yeah, yeah, last game, Aaron Gordon couldn't miss a shot. So, hopefully, we key in on him a touch more, and maybe that'll be a, the difference of the game. Yeah, definitely. But, no, I, I, I'm fairly confident about this one. I feel like 
this could be good. You know, it would be nice to get on a get back on track, win that Sacramento game. That's the last time we play Sacramento this whole year. It'll it'll be our fourth time playing them. That's quick, getting them right out of the way. Right. So win that game, get back on track, start a bit of a streak against Orlando, take it to Charlotte, still at home. We have the chance to build a nice little streak right here and get back in that playoff position. Yep. Hopefully the team is upset enough after the Grizzlies loss to really come out and we got to end this home stand the right way. And luckily, we don't have any of those weird stretches of too many days off where we come out and play really horribly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's we, been a thing. Right, we play. We played Sunday, we play Tuesday, we play Friday, we play Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. You know, we have these every other day games, and that's that's what we need to build that momentum. Yep, before the fatigue really starts to set in late in the season, I, I like when we get the fast and furious games like this. Yep. But this Magic game, bet question. That's right. We have our bet question, and that is going to be, how many turnovers will the Suns have as a team? So chime in at Sunny and PHX Pod, submit your guess for how many turnovers the Suns will have, and whoever's closest will get a shout out on Twitter. Shout out to everyone who has been submitting their responses because we've had an uptick in that. It's cool to see so many people responding and getting involved. So my guess for this is going to be 12. We average about 14 turnovers a game. I think we've been okay with the ball lately. I'm going to go 12. Also, 12 is the number that I picked last week and won with. So I'm going to pick it until I lose with it, basically. <laughs> 12 for everything. Let's yeah. do it. I'll make sure to come up with a question next week that blows that away. Yeah. But for, for mine, I was optimistic last week. So I'm going pessimistic with this week. And I'm going to say we, average, we get 15 turnovers. So 0.6 over average. 15. Okay. So yeah, like I said, go on Twitter, tweet at us at Sunny and PHX Pod, send in your guess, and you could get a shout out next week. All right, and the final game of next week, another Sunday game against the Hornets. I'm just, I just feel like I'm tooting the horn, saying this is another winnable game. We need to win it. Yeah, basically. I mean, they've got a great story in Devonte Graham, who's been playing well. Terry Rozier is Terry Rozier. They have, they're another team that has these question marks. Malik Monk, I still think he could be good. I like Malik Monk's athleticism and some of his potential, but he just hasn't put it together yet. The Hornets are a very, very beatable team, though. Yep, right now they're coming off back-to-back uh, -back wins over the Cavaliers and the Mavericks. So a win over the Mavericks in overtime, that's pretty impressive. Them. Yeah, yeah that's this, nice. this is a team that was supposed to be a joke this year, and I they're not playing great basketball by any means, but they're definitely overcoming expectations. They're just a, what is it? They're just barely out of the eight seed. The Magic are 16 and 20. The Hornets are 15 and 23 at the nine seed. So if they mess around a little more, they can be a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, teams like the Magic and the Hornets are very similar to us. They're really just our our Eastern conference counterparts. So these are teams, you know, these are games that are good to win because it, it can help us gauge and see, you know, are we really a playoff team? Cause if we're a playoff team, we got to win these games. 
But with that, we will move it on to the non-sports section of the show. Happy New Year, everyone. Also, it's 2020. Pretty wild to see that we're we're in the year 2020. Got to change right in the year to 20 instead of 19 now. But also, happy birthday again to us. Four years of doing the podcast. In those four years, we've changed a lot. We've changed quite a bit since 2016, I would say. The show, us as people. What's something that you used to do that you don't do anymore? You know, I still will do it from time to time, as I actually am right now. But I I don't drink soda pop anymore. I used to drink <laughs> so much soda pop. It, it was it was terrible, and I got all fat, and it was it wasn't good. And I just quit drinking pop. The the pounds. I don't want to sound like a Jenny Craig commercial or something, but <laughs> the pounds started falling off after I quit <laughs> drinking pop. And it, it's true. It's uh, it's something that I've started to treat more as a treat, and I enjoy it more often that way. But yeah, I, I ditched the soda pop, and then I, just something else that came into my mind. I used to watch a ton of baseball, and I I don't know if I could name twenty baseball players anymore. I I don't do much baseball. Maybe those two went hand in hand. I'm not sure. Maybe drinking soda pops, watching some. Of America's pastime? Who knows? Maybe they do. Uh, mine kind of ties into New Year's resolutions. I really love New Year's resolutions. I, I make them every year. And I believe it was my 2016 New Year's resolution. That was to quit biting my fingernails. And I haven't done it since. January 1st, 2016. I haven't bit my fingernails. I used to be in a really, really bad habit of biting them. And it would be bad because I'd rip them. And then my fingers would bleed. And they would look really bad. And one day I just said, I'm done doing this. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I haven't since. So it's nice. I mean, I'm, I am I tend to fidget quite a bit just naturally. I don't really know why. It's just been that way for as long as i can remember but uh i just try to keep my hands busy with something else rather than biting my nails you know what you should do you should take up smoking cigarettes <laughs> uh i I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that will help me <laughs> you know uh, no, just good. switch one good habit for another that's what you're <laughs> supposed to do right yeah uh i don't <laughs> think that's quite how it goes but oh, okay, okay. <laughs> But yeah, haven't bit my nails and I'm pretty happy about that. So yeah, shout out. I got a, a nice little nail trimming kit for Christmas. So yeah. excited to put that to good use. Maybe send us a tweet and Mitch will share a picture of his nicely manicured hands. Uh, we'll see. Maybe <laughs> if there's enough, if how about this? If 20 10,000 10, people ask for that, then I'll do it. Um. I think we could go with 20 and it'd be just as likely as getting 10. <laughs> Probably. Okay, fine. If 20 people request me to show a picture of my well self-manicured hands, I'll do it. <laughs> this is the Sunny and Phoenix podcast, our four-year birthday, and that's where we end the show. <laughs> we appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Sunny and PHX Pod. Uh, we love chatting with you guys on Twitter. We love that we have listeners to this show. We've been doing it for such a long time. It, it is nice to know that people are listening. I just had a little run-in with someone who 
happens to listen to the show that I had never met before and we just cross paths. Really cool stuff. So again, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And go Suns. Go Suns.